Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Welcome everyone. Very excited to be here today again with our lovely Darius and uh, I'm going to say to you Sin Chow. Sin Chow Emma. Um, how are you? you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. It's our <laughs> Vietnam episode. Vietnam. Good morning Vietnam. Oh yeah! Oh man! Okay, can we start again, please? I, it's, I can't believe I forgot to do that. <laughs> you probably like it was like one of the things that you wanted to do from this, like from the time we talked about doing it at the podcast. I reckon you mentioned it in the car. I think I did. <laughs> okay, will you start then? Thirty-nine. Oh, it's thirty-eight, thirty-six. <clears throat> Good morning, Vietnam. And good morning to you, Emma, and good morning, dear listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Lovely Travels podcast. Please stay with us. We promise we won't shout at you the whole episode, but um, (laughs) for all those who get the reference, yes, today we are talking about Vietnam, and that was a reference to the great Robin Williams and his movie, Good Morning Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam. Good morning, Emma. Good morning, dear listeners. Good morning, Good morning. Um, well, I'll say Sin Chao, which is the Vietnamese greeting, meaning hello. I'm probably pronouncing it quite horribly because Vietnamese is actually quite hard to pronounce. It has a lot of unusual noises. Yeah. Unusual sounds, yeah. And we're going to, later in this episode, we're going to chat to the wonderful Diana Nguyen, who is originally from Vietnam, and she has... Um, she's a comedian and she actually does a bit uh, about Vietnam and all the letters um, like N she's got this like card with N on it there's like right. 10 or more versions of N and wow. how you pronounce it like a little um, what, do you, what do you call those you know the, like um, ac- ac- accents, accents uh, yeah ac- but like the view. slightest little different line means something. There's like a swiggle and then there's a line and there's a the dash and, yeah, I'll get her to do it. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's a lot. Like I try and say um, thank you, which is gummin. And, and I spent like 10 days with, on one trip and on the last day, I, don't, I tend not to drink when I'm doing a toileting, which is why I was in Vietnam. I, sure. I will have a drink at the end. And I was having a drink with my guide and I'd had one beer and I said, said it. And he's like, see, perfect. All you need is beer. And I'm like, I don't think that's a healthy way for me to continue learning language. Um, I think soon after I knocked over the beer as I was trying to talk to him about something. So I was like, um, there's a really fine line here. <laughs> that's like, that's like when I play 
billiards. It's like, you know, one beer, okay, two beers, world champion level, three beers, starts going downhill again. <laughs> Four beers that it's not advised by the health <laughs> people. Um, but I actually went and got my nails done yesterday and um, the people who own the uh, nail place are Vietnamese and so I said at the end, gum in, and they were like, what? You speak Vietnamese? And I was like, Sin chào. And then they were like, oh. And then she said something back to me. I was like, oh, no, we're done. <laughs> you had it all. But they were very happy uh, that I said that. So that's nice. It's, it goes it's, – here's a handy-dandy travel tip. Um, learn a couple of words in the local language. Everyone loves hearing it and loves trying, even if it's not perfect. Yeah, it was really fun when we were on my first trip, like bike riding around and we were driving past, like riding past little villages and we'd like, Sin Chow, and they'd wave back and it was really sweet. Hmm. So, Emma, did you know, did you know Vietnam is the world's largest exporter of black pepper, producing about a third of the world's total? I really didn't know that, but. It's a good you. one. It is a good You're one. You're welcome. Uh, so, when, when did you. Oh, <laughs> jinxies. <laughs> We are so professional. <laughs> you go. You know, scissors, paper, rock. I first went to Vietnam in 2014 uh, mm-hmm. on a cycling trip from Cambodia to Vietnam. Uh, so I went up to the south and then my second trip was in 2015, February 2015, with 32 Dutch women and we cycled in around central Vietnam from Hanoi, we went south. Um, Hanoi is in the north, but we caught a train. Don't worry, I do know my geography. Ended right. up in Da Nang and then went back up mm. to Hanoi. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Love my Dutch friends, but it was a bloody challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if anybody's like, you know, like in a job interview, if they're like, have you ever faced a challenge? I just say, yeah, I took 32 Dutch women um, across Vietnam cycling and they're like, have the job. Well done. Have the job. <laughs> you clearly so, can do um, everything. And then did I you, did you get it? Did you get uh, a little bit annoyed at them? I did. I lost my cool. I shouted at them. <laughs> it was not my finest <laughs> hour. I had to apologise to the representative later. I was like, I don't usually do that, but uh, they really pushed me. But you um, ladies are out of control. You are. We talked about This great. is where you met... Betsy, right? Betsy, if we throw back to episode, uh, to episode, I want to say 11, the, 12. The 12. Betsy episode. Yeah, we really should look up our episode numbers because I said one the other day, I was like, episode 29. I said it so confidently, looked up later. I was like, damn it, it was episode 26. Um, anywho, uh, if you did listen, anyway. when you do listen to the Kirsten Pils episode, I say Amanda Kendall was on episode 29. It's, it's a lie. I'm a liar. Remember this. It's episode 26. I'm very confusing now. Um, yeah, Betsy is from the Netherlands and she went to um, she went to Vietnam and, and we had the most wonderful. I love those women now. I love them. We had a, you know, it was incredible. It, it was just so, a challenge. It must have, I remember, so I went to Vietnam in 2010, um, visited, visited um, Saigon or Ho Chi Minh as it's called. Um, and Ho Chi, Minh, Ho Chi Minh City in the south, yes. And um, I remember it being so humid. It was just like, yeah, just like instant sweat. Yeah. 
And that's something that I thought I would have over like, because when I was training to go cycling with, especially with the Dutch woman, I was like, ha ha, I'm used to humidity and heat. Like I will, mm. I will cycle better than them. <laughs> the Dutch are pros. Uh, so pro cyclists, but it wasn't quite as humid in February in um, the cent- central part. So I think it does depend on when you go, but as yeah. a general rule, and, and as well, we thought it was going to be hot um, and warm, and I luckily always carry my very light puffer jacket. But I, we had one day, and it was, like, so cold, and it was rainy, and it was foggy, and I was wearing three pairs of very thin trousers because that's all I had, uh, and my puffer jacket. It was bloody cold, so it does get cold, especially um, in the north because it's quite close to China, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. It's a very long country. It is a long But the country. south is typically warmer and more humid. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, we on were this in, season. Yeah, we were there in like late in the year, maybe November. Um, yeah. It's very hot, very humid. Yeah. Um but uh the the yeah, I, I thought it was a great place to visit. Um very welcoming, lots of super delicious food. Yes. I think it was uh, it was one of those so, yeah, it's one of those trips where I just ate everything everywhere. It's yeah. super cheap. We got so much food for so little money. I love me a Vietnamese coffee, that really like dark, oh, the ca- cafe. coffee cafe. with, um, with condensed, condensed milk. milk. Mm. <laughs> love it. And in the north they have uh, the egg coffee. Is quite, um, so they literally put egg in the coffee. Like you can't, it doesn't taste eggy, but it, just adds this like kind of Egginess. creaminess. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it's going out for an egg coffee is something you do in um in Hanoi. Huh. Okay. But I love yes, Darius and I, we have a thing. We whenever we have fur, we have to message each other, which is, you know, for those times when I was in Vietnam, it was like every day. <laughs> and then we do as many fur so um, it was, you know, an unforgettable experience and I'm yes, going to take a yes, yes. photograph and I like to use my iPhone. Um, we have, we basically do exhaust the fur puns. I think it's such a good dish. I know we're not an eating podcast, but like I love how you, you always get like all the herbs and stuff with it and mm. you have like the rich broth and the freshness of the herbs and and then you can put some put some hoisin sauce on on the meaty bits, and the and um, the garlic and yeah, like. But I got when I was in Hanoi last time. We did a food tour. The last two times I've been there, actually, we did a food tour, wow. and they said you must always taste the broth first before yes. you go putting in your stuff. There's lots yeah. of stuff, and you know we've I think we've all made the mistake of fur at some point where you put too much hoisin or too much. Um, Oh, I probably you probably wouldn't agree with them. too much chili or just too much of no, something. No, I think yeah. No, I'm I'm a big fan of trying before adding. And it's hard, especially with the chili, That's because it does kind of ferment as it goes. So you're like, this chili sauce and these five bits of chili will be fine, <laughs> and they are for the first eight bites, and then you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, ah, <laughs> and then you bite into a chili, and then you're like, ah, let's me. So when you when you're in Vietnam, what else did you do apart from the cycling? Well, actually, 
uh, my first two trips were cycling. <laughs> so mm. um, I was there as a tour leader. So I've only been to Vietnam as a tour leader and I've been three huh. times. So my third wow. time there was a trekking. So I was trekking in the Sapa Valley, uh, which is in the north. And so, mm. um, you know, arrived to Hanoi, catch an overnight train. So I've caught an overnight train a couple of times in Vietnam and very comfortable, lovely. Yeah. Such a great way to travel. Like you, we get on about 10 o'clock at night. Oh, so we go and have a lovely meal. All go to the station. Very lovely, helpful guides and bus driver and everything. Get all your bags on. Have a bit of a chat with your cabin mates, and then you go to sleep, and then you wake up in a new city. Hmm. Um, it's super comfy. Um, one of the tra- only one of the trains um, was a bit stuffy. Uh, I don't know if like, yeah. the aircon wasn't working or whatever properly, so that was a bit tough. Right. But other than that, I've been very comfortable. And they come in the morning and they give you coffee, and I'm like. You are my favorite person in the world. Just <laughs> <laughs> bringing coffee to me in bed. I'm like, hello, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Um, but such a nice way to travel. And then, um, yeah, and but I did get to add on um, another experience on my last trip where I stayed on as a tourist for a few days. I was still with some mm. of the group members, but I was on my own time. And we went, um, I was going to Halong Bay which is very famous and well-known, and I had not been. Uh, and we, we also went to a place called Nin Trin. Mm-hmm. And it's like what you picture Halong Bay is like this beautiful glassy water with these rock formations coming out of it and yeah. on these big junk sailboat type things. Yep. Almost like cruisy type ships but with a big giant sailboat sail right. thing on top. Um, and... But Nin Trin is like that with the big rock formations and caves, but they're kind of big, like bigger and, beca- and you go in like little canoes. And so oh. um, Vietnamese, generally they were women um, mm-hmm. rowing the boats and you go in a little canoe with about six people and uh, they row you through this area. And it's just like something like, um, prehistoric almost about it, like being in this yeah. room and these just rocks coming up out around oh, you. Very peaceful. Very peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, we did a we did a uh Mekong uh day trip um from from Ho Chi Minh City, um, which was everything other than um prehistoric. <laughs> so busy. <laughs> yeah. It was it was wild. So first we got a boat, like a motorboat somewhere and um love the effort that the tour guide put in um <laughs> didn't understand a word he was saying but he was saying a lot of it um <laughs> and and then we we they took us to like a i think it was like a like a palm farm or like a coconut farm and there was like a little factory where they were making sweets out of the coconut sugar mm. or something like that yeah um that was quite interesting uh, we had lunch there, and then we did a canoe trip on like these side arms of the of the Mekong, Mekong. Mm. Um, and that was crazy as well. Um, just uh, just such a such a strange day of like being thrust from one situation into the next. It's very busy, um, but yeah, something it was super interesting, interesting on the Me- the Mekong is such a source of life. Like, there's yeah. just so many people on the Me. Like, they fish yeah, yeah. there, they work there. Like, there's just so much happening. I mean, mm. Matt was watching, um, you know, like uh, what's it called? The the show Top Gear. 
and mm-hmm. they had a, they did one of their episodes where they they went to boats on the Mekong and they all had mm-hmm. their different boats and just yeah it was like really kind of fun watching it again and I actually went arrived to Vietnam by the Mekong because I went from Cambodia yeah. so uh, we went on a little boat. We, cool. um, I didn't that day, but the others were drinking beers. Uh, yep. The ba ba ba, a ba 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 beer. Ba means three, and there's a beer called three three three. And then you say beer in Vietnamese. So I do have more Vietnamese. You say beer. Yeah. So you say ba ba ba, ba 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 ba. Wait, ba 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 beer. And we wanted three of them, so we went ba ba ba, ba ba ba. Beer. <laughs> and we thought it was like, we were like, this is hilarious. Um, I think especially the ones who'd had the beers. Um, yeah. The person working on the boat found it no. quite fun. <laughs> As I, but I will never forget the name of that beer. It's Ba Ba Ba. Nice. Um, it's good beer too. Um, hmm. But, yeah, my the first time I went, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I thought it was beautiful, but um, we went from... I would definitely recommend for people who are going through Southeast Asia, if you've never been to any of them, to start in Vietnam and then go to Cambodia mm-hmm. because there are some similarities um, but, like, the culture is quite different and the, Cambodia is very, the people are very peaceful. It was very brothers, you're my brother, you're my sister, like, you know, and then to go to Vietnam where where we were in the south was quite that calm and we were around the villages, but we went toward Ho Chi Minh and we ended yeah. our trip in Ho Chi Minh, which is yeah. a massive city. Yeah, like yeah. I think they have like something like the most scooters in the world or something crazy. Like the oh, traffic is just I, scooters. The, the scooters was nuts. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have been to Vietnam, but only to, to Ho Chi Minh and surrounds. Yeah. Um, it was not a relaxing week. It was, yeah. it's so full on. It's like you have to take a new life insurance policy every time <laughs> you want to cross the road. It's amazing. Exactly. Like I just sit there and eating fur and, and watching giant crossings, intersections of just, just madness. So many scooters and they're yeah, all shoulder to shoulder. It. It's, yeah. Just hope for the best. It's wild. So. It, yeah, I, I feel that. Um, it's a good tip. Ho Chi Minh is is and other big cities in Southeast Asia as well. They they're very busy, very busy. So yes, if you're going to do it, like I would start your trip there, and then and so again, I would probably start south, like in Ho Chi Minh, and head north because Hanoi yeah. is, although still quite busy, it's still it's got more of that old feeling mm. to it, and a bit mm. more of the traditional, I would say. Mm-hmm. But we went to some absolutely, and I'm going to have to let go dig out my itineraries to put in the show notes because we went to some absolutely stunning places in the south that were super calm and, like, when we came to this one, it was like the hotel was nestled into the hillside mm-hmm. and it was just, like, these beautiful, like, kind of rolling plains in front of us and there was, like, a pool built in and it was, like, stepped. The accommodation was all stepped down and so we just, everybody got an epic view yeah, you know, and then started our morning bike riding after that. Like it was well. lovely. So I'm blessed because on those trips I get to see a lot yeah. of different places, and we do travel by bus in between as well. So we cover a lot of ground, um, mm. and highly recommend it. Anybody can go. Um, that was through Buffalo Tours. Was our partner. I went at the time with a company called Inspired Adventures, but the partner company in Vietnam was Buffalo Tours, and anybody could book with them. Yeah, yeah, we were very fortunate to um, to meet a friend 
from Germany, a Vietnamese guy who lives in Germany. Um, he was he, he lo- we lined up our holidays, so we met him there. Aww. And um, he was our, our guide, which helped a lot. Um, yeah. Even just some restaurants, I'm sorry to say this, Ho Chi Minh, but they have two menus, one for, for Westerners and one for locals. And the major difference is like the four times higher price that the tourists have to pay. Mm. What the hell? Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. And look, um, on that trip, we had like a really um, pivotal sort of moment uh, I'm a big person for this um, in asking the country and asking the locals how to interact. And so we had a session where they had invited a local woman uh, to come and um, show us how they made the conical hats. So, you know, the, the very mm-hmm. famous Vietnamese hats, so you see them in the rice mm-hmm. paddy, that that famous picture in your mind of people in the rice paddies working with these um you know, woven hats that everybody, you know, generally buys as a souvenir. So yeah. these, this woman and her daughter were showing us how they weave them and how they make them. And so I asked our local hosts, um, have these people been paid to come here? Or like, what's the situation? Should we arrange a tip or something like that? And they said, like, we have, yes, we have given them some money to come here. Uh, the best way you can support them is if people wanted to buy a hat off them. And the hats were twenty thousand dong. Twenty thousand dong is one dollar Australian. Right, right. And there were twelve of us, and and some people might have wanted to buy, you know, some for their kids or whatever. Yeah. And so I told the group, um, you know, just letting you know, um, this woman has been invited here. She has been paid. Let's, if you would like to support her further, the best way we can do that is to support her business. Yeah. You know? And so she's like sold like twenty hats in one night, or like awesome. and we arranged it like that um, they would bring us the hats the next day before because we were always moving on. Yeah. And it was like really nice to support the business. Um, but then one of the guys in my group, and he'd done, I know he had done this on other parts of the trip, just like went up and like gave her 20 bucks. Um, and I'm like, he told me later about it and I got quite mad because I was like, no, like we asked the locals what they wanted. We were yeah. supporting this woman. We were encouraging her business. And I know that 20 bucks is nothing to you, but $20 to her was a lot and she did work mm. for that. So mm. just in terms of when you're doing that sort of thing, when you're engaging with locals and you're maybe not sure of the practice, ask and handing out money and just giving tips and stuff is not necessarily beneficial in the long term to anyone. Yeah, yeah. So I felt really happy yeah. with the way we had... I had had the interaction and had this lovely, mm. genuine interaction and learned from her. Um, you know, I really felt that kind of tarnished it a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah. was a tip. Um, and we uh, got advice. our hats, which is fabulous. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my third trip, it's funny, like each trip I, I thoroughly enjoyed and I'm so lucky to have seen so many parts of Vietnam, really. I've seen the south and the central and the north. My third trip, I think I enjoyed the most. Um, I just think I had wonderful guides. I think, I don't know, seeing the Supper Valley. Supper Valley has five um, ethnic minorities. And so um, seeing a totally different side to Vietnam and these like even like say the people from Hanoi wouldn't understand the way of life of these people. Mm. Uh, So Mm. And so moving through even Supper Valley, I got to experience different cultures 
uh, and to stay in people, we did homestays. So we stayed and like, it's not like you stay in somebody's house, like we would in the Western culture. These are like yeah. kind of a big cabin, like a giant, you picture like a giant wood cabin. And we were sort of all staying like on the floor together and it's a very communal and getting to know each other. And, you know, mm. they cooked for us in the night and um, it's just such a lovely experience. And uh, yeah, again, my, my guides and the company we went with that time was Exo Travel um, and they mm-hmm. were just did an amazing job with the itinerary and supporting us. And yeah, I, it really was like, yes, I, I will be back here again. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I'm I'd love to go back as well and see a bit more of the the country rather than just the the hustle and bustle. Yeah, and like as you said though, um, with the food, like a huge part of. And so many people go to Vietnam, absolutely love the food. It's very mm. light. It's very fresh. It's very flavorful. And yeah. it varies a lot throughout the country. And mm. so one of my top tips as well is like in Hanoi both times we did um, a food tour and I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. It's yeah so awesome to go with a local, go to the market, go to these little tiny little hole-in-the-wall places and they do like one dish, some of those places. Mm-hmm. And you just have that one special dish. Mm. Good, dish. good one. Good one. Getting hungry. I I can also recommend the um, the war museum in in Ho Chi Minh. Um, it's very interesting about a really terrible time in the, in the country's country's history. Well, we um, would a lot of the um, Western world would call it the Vietnam War, but in mm. the Vietnam they call it the American War. Mm. And it's yeah, still can, very much a vibe there, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It's not that long ago. It's like what fifty years? years. Yeah, 50. forty years, fifty years. Hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, damage. but uh, we 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 had a great guide and went to the to the you know I think it's an embassy or something where the the scene with the helicopter from the roof and stuff like that mm. and. Um, you know, you can go around the city and you go to these places which are made famous by photos and stuff. It's very much like a, a living history there as well. Because um, it was very well documented, the, that war. Yeah. 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 And, and it was um, like photojournalism. There's like some photos that are still there. The, um, and in the, in the war museum, there's that little girl running down the road. Yeah. Um, uh, naked down the road. Like that's such a famous photojournalism news moment of like this is the impact of war, you know. Yeah. And that, yeah. that little girl is now, um, um, yeah, a woman in her late 50s, 60s. She's a speaker and talks around the world. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, the girl from that. the photo. The girl from the photo. Yeah, it's pretty. I'll have mm. to find the link again to put in the show notes because it's pretty pretty powerful. Um, I went to the caves, actually. I went to the tunnels. Oh, wow. So <laughs> It was really weird. I was talking to someone the other day who was living in Vietnam recently and she um, said, I was saying, oh, I didn't really see much about the war there. And I was like, wait a minute, I went to the war museum in Ho Chi Minh. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, I went to the tunnels. Yeah. So these tiny, tiny tunnels, like if you're yeah. at all claustrophobic, probs don't go. Yeah. Uh, but they just, yeah, the way the, um, the guerrilla warfare style that um, was going on there and 
these people were like basically yeah, living under these tiny little tunnels underground during the war. Mm. Well, and fighting from there. So, yeah. Ter- yeah, terrible not- time. Yeah. Make, look, it's make, good to- make fur, not war. Yeah. And look, with those things, I know some people aren't like super into that type of tourism, but um, it's going really? and it's acknowledging that it happened and learning and understanding and. Yeah, um, definitely. I think know. it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Did you know, Emma? Vietnam is the world's largest exporter of cashew nuts. Sounds like they export a lot of stuff. <laughs> they do. In cashew, fact, well, it's also one of the, the second largest exporter of coffee in the world, second only to Brazil. I do love Vietnamese coffee. Mm, we, yeah, definitely. Where do, where do they grow it, though? We see a lot of rice. On coffee bushes. Yeah. Right, where does know. coffee grow? Little little shrubs on the side of mountains. It does. So probably in the north then, the more mountainy. Probably. There you go. Fun fact. If you uh yeah, if you don't if you know about the coffee scene, tell us. Isn't that um is that Vietnamese, the, the Cappy Luau? The 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 it's like coffee beans that have been pooped out by like a ferret? And it makes like uh, a special. It happens in a few places. Like I was in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. Yes, we when we were there in 2019, um, we went to this massive shop uh, where people you could get all those like all the foods and make sure they were prepackaged so you could get them home. Because mm. um, I loved these. Uh, we liked these particular um, oh, chewy ginger, and it's like yeah. lemon and chewy ginger, and it's really good if. Um, you're feeling nauseous, you can chew these gingers or if you have a bit of a sore throat. Anywho, and, yes, they had that. And it's this funny little animal. Is it a mongoose type thing? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a like a ferrety mongoose sort of. Yeah. Yes, it's very expensive. So yeah. I was going to buy the poop coffee for Matt, but I was I didn't because it was expensive. Too expensive. I don't think I bought him coffee beans. I should have because it is, yeah, the Vietnamese coffee is super delicious. Mm. And it's a real culture there, like going to a cafe and um, I think that's sort of um, because, and this is a, Vietnam's had a history of having a lot of takeovers. Like at one point the the French were there for quite a while and then at some point the Japanese were there for a short while and then obviously the Americans were there. They didn't necessarily take over but they were in the country for a long time. So there's a lot of, been a lot of unrest. And, um, but the, one of the nice things that the French left behind was um, architecture, uh, cafe culture and bread. Bread. Yep. Uh, which, which <sighs> leads me to my next um, favorite Vietnamese food, the banh mi. Oh, banh mi. oh my God. Explain banh mi. Banh mi is like a baguette style uh, bread roll and um, it's cut open and then it has usually like some mayo, some pate, um, herbs, pickled pickled um, um, carrots and, and veggies and stuff in it and then cold cuts of meat, um, you know, other, you know, roasted pork soy or sauce, roasted. Chili. Soy sauce, chili. Well, no, um, also the, the Vietnamese maggi seasoning that's important. <laughs> Yeah. That's important. Um, <laughs> coriander, spring onions. Oh, my God. I really need one. I know. It was so good on my last trip because, um, me and, as soon as I get there, like, because I'm the tour leader, I have to kind of, like, 
do some logistics stuff. So I dropped everyone to the hotel and I was like, I need to go and get a SIM card. And so my guide was, the guide usually takes me to where we need to go. So we went off for a walk, got the SIM card and on the way back, he's like, are you hungry? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, bun me. And I'm like, I love bun me. <laughs> and it's like, again, it's like 20,000 dollars. So it's like a dollar or something. Yeah. And just, just this little cart, he makes it fresh in front of you. Obviously, this guy, my guides are local, so he's like, "Hey, da-da, get me my bun me," and we just walked back to the hotel eating our bun me. <laughs> and I like oh, saw so some good. of our guests and like, "What are you even up to?" I'm like, "I just had the best bun me ever." <laughs> <laughs> like, where is it? I was like, "I have no idea," because we went wiggly windy streets. <laughs> I was like, "But actually, my guide was still there." I was like, "He'll take you back," so he just took him back, and you know, it's awesome. That's the fun stuff, you know. I think I'm going to have to go and get one today. Do you have Vietnamese shops? In, there's, in there's, there's, Noise? there's a, there's a place in not in Noise. God no, jeez. Um, <laughs> in Düsseldorf. Yeah, in Düsseldorf. There's, there's, um, there's a couple of places. Actually, uh, next time you come, uh, there's a, there's a Vietnamese wholesale market like that sells like bulk Vietnamese imported products. Um, and on Saturdays they have like out the back of the warehouse. They have like a little Vietnamese community center get together thing, and you uh, can get like like fresh fur and banh mi and coffee, and like you just sit there with <laughs> a whole bunch of Vietnamese people and in the middle of Düsseldorf, you think you're somewhere in Vietnam. It's, it's uh, amazing, and, and there's also been... a place there's, oh, that sorry. does banh mi in the in the city. Um, I'll have to check if he's open. Oh, the other thing I love there, and probably maybe it's more in the north, but the the spring rolls, and they have like these, like the rice paper rolls. Yeah, no, no, yeah. the um the oh. fried ones. So the fried ones um have fun, like these fun, very fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. It's it's the same. It's also rice paper, but you can fry it. It just oh yeah, gets very yeah, very very tiny thin ones. So they look like little yeah. bird rolls of bird nest. Uh, and they're fried and they're delicious. And then you put, you wrap a um, lettuce leaf around it and a bit of piece yeah. of mint. And yeah, then you yeah, yeah. dip it in the sweet Ooh. sauce. And we um, actually went to, with I was there with Oxfam and we went to visit um, like communities. And so they did a, they showed us how they make the bit, the spring mm. rolls. And we all joined in. And then just, just, I ate so many. And I didn't yeah. even care. And we were yeah. just having this amazing, all these women showing us how to make it, all of us just demolishing these spring rolls. And it was just such a, everybody coming together. And, oh, it's just the best. Oh, gosh. So hungry now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, this, listeners. This place, <laughs> yeah. I hope, yeah. The, there's going to be, like, you could probably watch the stock market for your local Vietnamese takeaway <laughs> Uh the, the the share price is going to shoot up after we release this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a huge part of their culture and they, oh my gosh, they just nail the food. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, going out and eating together is, is such a big part of the culture. So uh, definitely do that when you're there. But speaking of, we better like go and chat to our, our Vietnamese uh, guest, guest and yep. uh, hear it get a bit more insight from her about so any more any more top tips for vietnam if people were to go from um, you? Mm, eat all the delicious food while you can <laughs> no i don't know Stay, coffee and a coconut 
Stay away. It's very tempting, at least in Ho Chi Minh, to buy lots of bootleg products because um, they're everywhere. I don't. It's not worth it. Don't bother. They all <laughs> fall apart. It's all the same crap you get over here, basically. Um, just yeah, focus on other stuff. Don't go well, don't... or go and visit like some amazing artists and like local artisans yeah. and yeah. places that support the person who is actually making the thing. So like. Maybe try and um, go and go to a place where they specialize in making sort of like handicrafts or something, and then that's mm. a different story to yeah, mass-produced hoodies. Yeah, when I was there, I bought. Um, I still have them. I have like bootleg uh, DVD box <laughs> sets of Two and a Half Men and stuff I got from from Vietnam. <laughs> He's showing me now. <laughs> well, it looks legit. It looks really good. Uh, the quality is terrible. <laughs> it's like a nice box set and you get inside and it's just like DVDs burnt. <laughs> I wonder, because there was like whole markets filled with bootleg DVDs, uh, like with Netflix and stuff. I doubt, is that still a thing? I guess people in other countries probably still watch DVDs. Yeah. It's handy to have like sometimes. I, I bought some when I was in Bali because I had a laptop with a um, – Computer drive, and it was like I just didn't want to go out a, sometimes. So a computer drive, a, you know, a CD ROM <laughs> sensor. I speak computer language. I am my so computer smart. had a computer drive. SMRT. All right, okay. Uh, thank you so much, Darius, for sharing your Vietnam memories with us. I'm gonna go and chat with Diana Nguyen. I'm looking forward to it. Say hi to her for me. I'll say xin chào. Xin chào, Diane. Diana. Diana. <laughs> Bye. Diana? Bye. <laughs>so I always open with who are you, the existential question, but um, tell us a bit about yourself and um, maybe you can share how we know each other too. Yes, so I'm Diana Nguyen. I'm an active comedian and a creative entrepreneur. Um, and I say creative entrepreneur because I do a lot of things that can't fit into a sentence. Yep. <laughs> so just say, yes, there's an easier way to just sum up who I am, but I... Um, I dance on LinkedIn. I'm a bit of a clown. Uh, I've done a TED Talk. I produce comedy here in Melbourne. That's how I met you. Yes. Uh, at a lineup show um, by, with Cat Styles. And, yeah, we met through, yeah, just laughing and enjoying comedy at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So it's just lovely to see you from across the Zooms. I know, because usually I would see you like every year. We, you yeah. know, I think, yeah, this was the first comedy festival I would, I haven't been to in like seven years, I guess, and all of us haven't been to. So, yeah, mm. it was such a gap in the calendar. And yeah, that's how we sort of renew our, our relationship. <laughs> yeah. Every single year, every yeah. single year. Yeah, just lose our minds for a month of the year and then come back to the world. Um, so, yes, so uh, I tend to associate you with your comedy mostly because you are very funny um but also yeah and then you you've got a web series as well yeah, i told you i'd forget something <laughs> <laughs> you 
you do a lot. It's, it's, to be fair, there are like I'm like I'm seeing a lot of Diana. There's a lot going on. Um, but yes, tell us a bit about your web series because it's quite incredible. Yeah. So that's probably initially where we met was when I played this character at these lineup shows, which um, the show's called Fee and Me. It was originally a Melbourne Comedy Festival show in 2011, so nearly 10 years ago. And five years ago or six years ago, we decided to make it into a web series because, as you know, when you do live shows, you're performing to 50 to 100 people. And we just wanted to have a, a more of a global reach of just clicking a button. Uh, so Fee and Me is now a web series and it's funded by Screen Australia and also our crowdfunding family. So we've been very lucky to have that support to share our, our, our mother's refugee story but in a comedic way. So is that your, is it your sister on the show? No. No, so it's my, my grade four friend I've known for 28 years. Oh, there you go. Yes. Well, that's so awesome that you're like um, sharing that your story and we'll definitely get into that because so you're currently living in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Melbourne, Australia, but you, where are you from? Because that's, that's kind of a bit complicated, right? I love, I love that question. So <laughs> I, and it's so kind of a hard question because sometimes people, I, it can be taken really wrong way, like wrong way in a, you know, where are you from? It can be like, oh, like are you, so uh, where, well, I tend to say what is your heritage or what yeah. is orig- your family origin is probably a better way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I usually say cultural background because I think the world is so interlinked and because of the planes and because people can cross borders now. We're, we're a bit of everything now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm from Clifton Hill, grew up in Springvale, which is a, a Vietnamese mecca from after the Vietnam War where people decided to settle. Um, and so my mum and dad are the original OG refugees. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you laugh around that. People like you refugees, yeah. such like a ooh, but you're like Haha, classic refugees. Yeah, it's because they they you know they they left their motherland Vietnam to come to Australia. Well, you know, fled on a boat, not knowing where they're going to go, and then Australia accepted them. So you know that. Uh, there was not like an intention on the map to say we're going to Australia. It was like we're going to seek freedom from oppression and the only way is to get on a boat. So um, where, am I, where am I from? Possibly a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, conceived at sea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I, I, I am Vietnamese. I look Vietnamese. I, I'm Asian. I look Asian, but culturally I'm very Australian. Um, and that's been you know, one of the, the hardships of being second-generation Australian is trying to find that balance of, you know, this Australian culture of freedom and being an individual, but then you've got this other culture, which is Vietnamese, which is very family-orientated. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't let down your family. It's family business. You don't stand up in a stand-up show and share people what happens in your family, i.e., you know, that your mum wants you to have a baby, wants to get married because you're getting too old. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, that's been a balanced struggle for me culturally being an Asian Vietnamese woman. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you speak Vietnamese and did you learn you spoke Vietnamese in the home? Uh, so funny story, my mum, she... Uh, she, she was very confusing. So she had rules in the house, which was 
no one speaks Vietnamese. You speak English so I can learn English. And then she realised she stuffed that up because I couldn't speak Vietnamese and then was like, no more English in the home. You have to speak Vietnamese. And by that time I was a teenager and I was, you know, teenagers. You don't tell teenagers what to do. Yes. Um, so my Vietnamese is pretty... Uh, it's more than a beginner. I can understand it, but articulation is quite difficult. Um, but funny story is that uh, the way that I've gotten back into my culture, and I'm in my mid-30s now, is that I MC Vietnamese weddings. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You need a fair proficient amount of Vietnamese then to, or are yeah. they, or do they want the English with a bit of Vietnamese thrown in? It's a, it's a, um, so I've said this on another show where, you know, Vietnamese weddings are the, the refugee, the post-refugee party. Okay. Uh, it's when they invite everyone to come to celebrate what they've done over the last 30 years. So, you know, it's the big three to 400 people wedding, the butchers there, the neighbours there to celebrate. Um, and luckily, like, it's all scripted, like any MC gig that you might do, yeah. it's scripted. So I rehearse a very fine script. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so impressive. And, yeah, and, and try to get through the first half an hour because you have to read 20 aunties and uncles uh, to come up on stage to be acknowledged. Um, so that's my that's my biggest sweat. <laughs> oh my God. And your yeah. name even, you, like I would pronounce it Nguyen. And I have a few. Yes. I have quite a few friends. Okay, is that right? Yeah. Um, but you said it like kind of shorter, like, like, can you say it again? Uh, Nguyen. Nguyen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. or in Vietnamese, you say Nguyen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little Nguyen. Um, so the G always tricks everyone. It's G is silent. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to say it Nguyen, yeah. which is, uh, or, or, yeah, whatever. Whatever comes out of your mouth without the G, we're fine. Yeah, so because it's it's spelled N G U Y E N. So I had the benefit of yes having, um, and it is quite a common surname. <laughs> um, I've had quite a few friends in uni who had it, so I got the lesson early on. So by the time I met you, you were like, "Wow, you're so good at it." I was like, "Had ten years practice." Um, but yeah, the the N, uh, you did this this bit, and I was talking about it earlier in our show. Um, the N has like what twenty variations or something ridiculous. It's a lot. It's a lot. And um, I, I did it as a cabaret show and I just had all the variations on a whiteboard. Like you reminded me of it. Yeah. Uh, all I did was that I just emphasised it even harder and harder and harder. <laughs> and the little, the accent, it's just, it was just crazy. And I just remember you doing that and I was like, God, I've got no hope. And when I was over there, yeah, my, my guide was like, after a couple of beers, I was starting to pronounce better. And I was like, I just don't think that's really a great sustainable way for me to learn Vietnamese. It's just to keep drinking ba ba ba. Uh it's it's not gonna end well. So um but yeah, yeah, kudos if you're learning later. And and that's that's typical rule, isn't it? Like the the mother should speak the mother tongue. But that's really challenging for her because obviously, yeah, like that the issue then is sometimes there's a lot of Italian and Greeks and I mean, so many cultures in Melbourne, but certainly from that 50s time, they still don't speak. The nonnas and the mothers that don't speak English because they were speaking, they weren't, I don't know, exposed to it. Mm. So then other people have gone and tried to go the other way um, and it's it's complicated and it's confusing for a child too, isn't it? 
Uh, definitely, you're looking at one right now. <laughs> <laughs> my son, well, my friend's son is French, and he's his French is is better than his English, and now he's starting prep, and so now he's like behind even though it's super awesome that he's bilingual it's not really going to help him in his schooling at the moment so it's 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 hard it's a real balance trying to hold on to your culture but wanting to be part of the culture you live in Mm. yeah Yeah. well I have emphasized to my friends who have got children don't be the miss that I've been and (laughs) neglect my native tongue um it is a skill to know lots of languages um so do it early when the kid can just absorb, yeah. you know. Look, the, the French boy in prep, he's going to have a lot of hottie girls around him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're watching like Emily in Paris yesterday. I was like, oh, that boy is set, he's set for life. Uh, <laughs> so, and so the funny thing as well, I was saying to um, my friend the other day, well, to Darius, uh, my co-host, you know, like though you have that Vietnamese heritage and you have that culture, sometimes because you were like your family came from that refugee background you may not have actually been and so sometimes tourists uh and people like myself might have actually seen more but you do you did go to vietnam and you have done a bit of travel there yeah so i've probably been there four times two times as a child and teenager and two times of choice so um (laughs) so the first two times i i I was a t- I, I was a young young kid and didn't want to be there because I was taken out of you know the Australian culture and you know Vietnam as you know is just a very sensory experience like yes. heat um, smell sound it's all epic like you, you it's not like a suburban city street here in Melbourne like you hear your neighbours. Like in Vietnam, like like five blocks down because they're yelling at the child because everyone lives in close proximity. But also, you know, the sound of motorbikes, that's one thing I love about Vietnam so much is that that hustle is so alive, especially in Saigon or a.k.a. Ho Chi Minh City. The, the, the hustle is so alive. People are working, busy, moving. Um, and so you hear all that. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky that I got to go back when I was uh, 25 and I decided decided to do a pilgrimage trip uh, to understand my mother's homeland. I studied Vietnam War um, at, uh, in university and found out that um, the books that they had yep. were more um, about how many guns and bullets and how many deaths there were, but nothing about um, the, the Vietnamese people or the refugee journey. It was yep. just too much statistics for me. So I decided I was going to go and see this place that had so much trauma in it. It was ravaged, ravaged by Agent Orange, ravaged by military. And Vietnam's been a conquered country, like hundreds and hundreds of years. It's it's not pretty, but somehow we've come out with the cheeriest people. (laughs) Yeah, and you still do feel that, like there are certain places where you feel it more than I I found that personally, like where the and maybe a little bit more in the south, funnily enough, than the north. But, um, yeah, certain places you could really feel it and um, for good reason they're kind of like not super loving the white person. <laughs> like mostly like friendly and stuff, but just kind of like, yeah, you can be here but 
you can also keep going. Like, yeah. You know, don't stick around too long, but, yeah. but come to my village for a little while. So, so, was, so are you saying the north or the south was, un- was unfriendly? I found the south a little bit more. More the way we moved towards Ho Chi Minh, I found. Yeah. Ah, cool. That was yeah. my experience. Oh, yeah, no, that's great. And just also I said as well as a recommendation, I would start in Ho Chi Minh and move away, whereas I came from Cambodia over the Mekong, travelled across, and and where we entered was very peaceful and beautiful and riding across the village, waving to people, and as we got closer to the city, it was a bit like, yep, come on, eat your food, out you go. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's just kind of sometimes Asian restaurants anyway, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like we are here for business. Well, yeah, I actually am the opposite. I didn't like Hoi Noi uh, because uh, – why was it? There's a couple of things because you know it was it was the the, the north of Vietnam that, that took over South Vietnam. Mm. Also, um, it's, it's politics within the three dialects of Vietnamese. So there's three dialects in actual Vietnamese. They're very similar, but uh, like to differentiate it, the north speak um, like poetry. Mm-hmm. The way they speak is Vietnamese poetry, and the second uh, middle part of Vietnam is step down from the poetry and then the bottom is the bogan colloquial yeah so that's how I that's how that's how I differentiate so I didn't connect with the poetry of the north because I probably didn't understand stand it that much yeah Um, but yeah but I I I I loved that trip so much it was so beautiful it's also a little um the north still has the sort of communism uh whereas the south Ho Chi Minh is a lot more I guess modernized and and has more of that they might see it as capitalist. It definitely wouldn't be capitalist, but, you know, it would be seen as that because of the contrast and, you know, it's quite blatant to say it like that, but I think there's still quite, like, communist um, imagery around in in the north as well. Well, it is basically a communist country, but I think smartly Vietnam realised if it needed money and it needed to grow, that it needed to have capitalism, a a controlled capitalism. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and now they welcome back Vietnamese people from all around the world to come back and in, inject money and grow the economy in Vietnam, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, which is beautiful. But it's a funny thing as well, isn't it? Would it, would it be? I'm, uh, I've known from some people who, because you look Vietnamese and obviously you speak Vietnamese, but you also have a very Australian attitude. So it's just a bit weird. It's probably for them too. They're like, I see Vietnam, but I'm not feeling Vietnam. I'm not hearing Vietnam. Oh, no, no. I don't look Vietnamese. I've got big hips. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I remember when I was with my mum that year. I went that trip up and down North Vietnam. In Saigon, we were in a hotel lobby and the guy said, oh, wow, you're fat. Oh. Yeah, like blatantly, like just called it. And I wasn't even fat. I was just fat comparatively, comparatively to the, these, you know, miniature Vietnamese girls that I'm clearly not. Um, and, and plus I'm really tall too, so I don't know if I was fat this way or fat that way, but, yeah. Wow. That's- <laughs> I, I, ain't, I ain't Vietnamese by my size. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and yeah, were there any other challenges of being there? Like and you said, like, I mean, was it quite emotional going there and sort of following where your mum had been and? Yeah, I um, it was a really big trip because uh, I went with two other girlfriends who are also in the same kind of passage of wanting to 
reacquaint themselves with this land. Um, so it's really lovely to share that journey with them. Um, and I just loved how uh, like every town and village had its own essence. Mm. Like it's not that it's a Vietnamese town or this is a Vietnamese city. Like Hoi An, Hoi, Da Nang, uh, like I went up all the way to Sapa. Yeah, um, beautiful. Every, every village, every town, every city has its own uh, voice. Yep. Um, and that was really beautiful to see. And, you know, I still remember lying on those, you know, lying down buses. That's, I think Vietnam's the only one that yeah. does. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. You pay your $10 but you're not sitting up, you're lying down, which I wish planes had that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but just to sit there and listen to music and see these rice paddies, yeah. you know, go past you um, when you go from city to city, it was just really beautiful to to see how how different the city was to the actual villages because I really believe that if you went back 100 years, those villages still operate the same way. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's so communal. Like um, I was very fortunate to go with Oxfam and so we got to go to see some community projects and stuff and just so many people and coming together um, and just mucking in and working together and wanting us to be included and involved. It's just definitely that community um, culture. Uh, and then in, in Sapa, like how different, you know, because you have the ethnic minorities. So even someone who has lived in Vietnam all their life, going to Sapa is is like going to a new country really because the language and the food and the dress they have this beautiful dress like the outfits and um, handicrafts completely different it it was um so um fascinating to see and yeah that's so wonderful that you got to have that but yeah there's a lot of um you do feel some of the pain of 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 the country Mm -hmm. I, i you know you can there was there's been a lot of hurt over the years for um, many of the people. and um, But it's also such a big – it's not a big country. It's a long country. And so it's crazy how much it changes from the north to mm-hmm. the south. Like you are just – Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a snail trail. Like, you know, you, you're not going across the country. You're actually starting from one end of the sea all the way up uh, and then, you know, hit Hanoi to Halong Bay and then you have to – uh, I think you catch a train to Sapa, which yeah. is inland. So, you know, it's this weird snail trail that you just kind of progress up the ladder. And I remember watching Top Gear. I, yes. Top Gear was one of my inspirations to go back to Vietnam because I saw these three white guys on motorcycles. And it's <laughs> like, that looks so much fun. I'm Vietnamese. Why haven't I done that? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's such a good, like, I think people who have and my um, Darius had just been to Ho Chi Minh and a little bit around. So I had the benefit, my three trips, I've done um, two on cycle, um, on bikes, cycling, and one on foot. So trekking in Sapa. So you get to doing that slower. And even like you said, going on the bus and being able to look out the window, you just get to see a lot of life that if you're just coming in and going to, say, Ho Chi Minh, Hanoi, Da Nang, Halong Bay, and if you're just, like, going stop, like, fly, stop, fly, stop, or train, stop, train, stop, you miss some of that daily life stuff, which I think there's a lot of beauty, a lot of Vietnam's beauty is in those places. 
yeah, yeah. Like try try avoid the commercial city parts and you know go down to the Mekong. That's where my mother's from. My mother's from Mita. Um, and that's how she escaped uh, on my grandfather's pier on the Mekong Delta. Like that river stream is the income for for most like half the bottom half of Vietnam because of the the water and the fish. Um, so yeah, head head down south, further south, so that you can actually see like um, a lesser version of what um, you know, Ho Chi Minh City is because. Uh, Ho Chi Minh City can be quite suffocating. Yeah, oh, it's intense, yeah. And I, I went to a place, I think it was called Canto, and we have a lovely restaurant up here called Canto. Yes. And that was gorgeous. It was, like, on the river, but, like, so you get a little bit of, the like, kind of city vibe, but you've got a town vibe and just awesome restaurants right on the river and just kind of more, yeah, I guess what everyday life might be in, in if you were living in a city of Vietnam that wasn't the major one. Yeah. And so for food-wise, did you – how did you find that? Because, like, did your mum cook a lot of Vietnamese food at home? And then how was that going back there? Is it, is it, like, the same or had she kind of adapted it a lot? Oh, no, no. It was all – pretty much all Vietnamese food with a bit of fusion. Um, like, like this is a story I've told before, which is um, I didn't know how to use a knife and fork until I went to grade five camp. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I remember my teacher sitting with me, showing me fork on your left hand, knife on your right hand, and then you do that. And I love roast beef from then on because that was the first <laughs> I ever had roast beef um, ever. So, yeah, my, the dietary we had at home was predominantly Vietnamese. Mum would make the broth, the fur broth from its original contents of, you know, um, uh, boiling the bones for 24 hours that's how you know it's good fur um but then there was that fusion stuff that mum tried to do so she tried to make italian like spaghetti but she would use heinz tomato sauce as the base oh mm. i grew up eating spaghetti really sweet (laughs) (laughs) and that suits the the vietnamese taste because there is a lot of like you know sugar and salty yes it's very flavorsome so (laughs) it's very funny um you invite me to your house for italian i'll be like nah (laughs) let's go to ligon street yeah (laughs) we we do we do show that in fee and me because that uh, as a scene and people just laugh because you know there's tomatoes uh the tomato sauce but then also the msg um because that's that's our that's the flavor that we love we love eating sweet and sour yeah, uh, it's not bland. We don't do bland. We don't really do salt and pepper. No, it's chili or you know hoisin sauce. You know, yeah. it's 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 one of those tastes, but not we're not a pepper person uh, kind of uh, community. Um, but I I remember this one time, Mum and I were in Vietnam. Uh, that same trip that I went up to the north and south, and I had two weeks by myself with my mum in Mita. Um, and I remember, like, um, my mum would dink me on the back of the motorbike and we would go get a, a plate of gum tam, um, gum tam that big, which is like the fried pork and all these little condiments on the side. And, you know, it was only 25,000 dong, which is a $1.50. Yes. No? Yeah. 
that's that was that is the beauty of Vietnam is that um, you can get food so readily because everyone's just selling food. It's pretty much the economy I think, with Vietnam, like food and cafes and restaurants. Um, and you sit on these really small chairs. You, you, yeah. So there's two styles of eating in Vietnam. One, you go to a high end restaurant, or you know they've they've uh, made it fusion and cool. Yes. Or you just sit on a red plastic chair with bunches of families and just eating for half an hour and then buzzing off. You're not sitting there for no wine. You're out. So exactly yes, and that's you know it's it's like. It's a very efficient service and you know what you want. And But I love as well, it's like very specialty. Like they, they tend to have some things on the restaurant on the menu. Like there are places that do a bit of everything, but really it's like you're going here and you're going to have noodles. You can have some variation of noodles or you're going here and you're going to have fried stuff or you're going to have this particular, I don't know, whatever pancake-like thing. And they just do different flavors of that. And if you want anything else, you go to the little store next door. <laughs> like, you, know. you got it. Yeah. We, it's we, so good. That's when you know that they're really good when they specialise. So everyone would go there for that that day. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and, it, and if there's, yes, if there's little plastic chairs and there's locals, you're in. You're on the money. And if you, even if you can't understand, just point at something because you know it's going to be good. Um, yeah, I was... I asked my guide in, in Hanoi and he was like, I was like, do you cook a lot at home? Or like, what's the thing? He's like, no, nah, like, especially like fur, like he said, it takes so long and it's so, even for them, it's affordable. He's like, and that's kind of the culture too. So you go and eat out together and then you go home. I mean, there would be different families, different situations, but he said, I think in the city, that was what they did. Yeah. It, it's so affordable and it just creates a communal eating where, we're family community eaters. We don't eat by ourselves. We eat with other people, uh, unless you're going from business to business. But um, like I was, as I was saying, you know, the, the Australian culture and Vietnamese culture, like, you know, you get together with your family and get together for the special events once every Sunday or blah, blah, blah. But Vietnamese culture is like you come home all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. get fed. And that, that's the, that's our love language. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I love your love language. I will have Vietnamese food uh, day and night. I mean, this is the only problem with doing this damn episode. I've, we've got made ourselves so hungry. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to find a good place now. And Vietnam is so far away at the moment. But um, is there any tips that you would give um, for going there? Uh yes. Which is. Uh, and I say it the most loveliest way is um, always have your radar on. Uh, 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 I'm not selling Vietnam very well, but because um, people go to Vietnam naively and there are some people who aren't very good people, um, you have to have a second filter of, like, why is this person talking to me? Yep. Uh, what? Uh, Yes, it's, it's just say, uh, just a, just be, just be careful and hold on to your things, knowing that you are going into a third, second world country, yeah. um, and they love, they love bags that are hanging about. <laughs> and that's just yeah. a good tip. Like a lot of places, like there's just there's good and bad, like good and bad everywhere. But I mean, it's a busy place as well, so you just have to keep an extra eye and 
we had a situation Ho Chi Minh with the um, I totally people don't the cycling rickshaws. Um, there is kind of a bit of an issue with telling one price and then doing another. And it's look, that's the way they're surviving, and it's um, you know they see you as a tourist and and that sort of thing. But um, maybe just avoid the the difficulty and and don't use them. <laughs> it was I found them quite confrontational. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, because I, uh, I, I haven't been in over. I think six years now, which I know you make you, you're making me want to go back. Um, <laughs> we'll have to go together. Like, oh my god, we could do like a live show going, just like document each day. Um, I really highly recommend going to the Coochie Tunnels. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a lot of white friends there just so that they could experience the tunnels um, and understand what the war was. Yes. Um, and I, I've, I, I always, I've gone there twice, I'm never bored of it, just because it's so fascinating that when the war was happening above the ground, there was so much underground happening. Yeah. Um, and another, I guess my third tip is um, just... Just enjoy the food um, and, you know, if you see a lot of people sitting on those little small stools, um, take a risk. Take yeah. a risk. Um, uh, and, and when you see there are other people eating there, you know the food's fresh. Yeah. So, you know, not everyone's stomach can adapt to food that quickly, but I that's been my tester. That's how I do things if that restaurant is full and it has Asian people in there I'm going in (laughs) yes yes and you're right the food is fresh they like their cooking stuff is quite basic but it's like they cook at such hot temperatures and they've gone to the market that morning and they don't keep they can't keep the stuff so you're kind of better off sometimes than um going to a restaurant where you can't see the kitchen and they're doing stuff out the back and God knows what's happening. Like like my mum got sick in Planet Hollywood, you know, in Hong Kong. Uh, oh, and like, no. This little stall, we were fine. So, yeah, just, yeah, I agree, trust. But um, thank you so much for sharing and um, to your mum and, and your dad, um, but thank you so much for, like, sharing that story and um, it's really nice to hear a positive um, refugee story. Um, and also so lovely that you've you've made that pilgrimage for your mum mm-hmm. and that you have that connection and now you have a hilarious show <laughs> that kind of pays it all out. But it's no, but it's nice. That's the that's the journey and that's the story and that was your reality. It was, and thanks for reminding me that I had a show. I forgot about. <laughs> well, the other thing you have, we've heard it a few times. You have is it called the Snort Chat Show? Yeah, I've got the Snortcast, which is a live interview show where I interview funny people all around the world. Um, and it was a, a lockdown project for me. Um, I did two interviews a week. Um, and the moment restrictions lifted, I had to end the season one um, because there were no comedians at home at 9pm anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's work time. Work time. So, oh. yeah, I've been able to fold it up. But, I, yeah, I did 33 interviews over three months. Well done. Yeah, and as somebody who does interviews, I know that's a lot. So um, please, we'll have all the links in the show notes to all of these, to all of the things that Diana does. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my terrible Vietnamese and say, Gummin. Gummin. <laughs> you can tell your mum. We'll have to play it for her. I don't know, will she like this episode or not? <laughs> probably won't understand it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you can translate. It's fine. We'll give you a script. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.